Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast where we break down politics, government structure, and dive into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the Supreme Court of the United States. So grab your black robes and let's get civical. Salutations, guten tag, hola. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Get Civical. My Yum name is Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And today we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court of the United States. Can yes. I get an oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. Oh yay, oh yay, oh yay. Wow. I've been waiting for a very long time to talk about SCOTUS. We, we talked about SCOTUS a lot, but we've never... Like, in relation to other things, we've never talked, we've never given it its own space. Mm-mm, we've yet. never given them their own space. We've never given me my own space mm. with them. Yep. So I am going to try to put my emotions aside <laughs> and to really give them a chance to explain themselves Great. for why they are the way they are. Great. I'm not going to yell. That's a lie. I'm not going to yell a lot. That's what I'm going to say. There we go. How about That's this? I might say. yell a little bit in this one with you. Ooh. Does that sound fun? <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to start off. We're scatting. We're scatting. Look. Uh. We're scatters. We're scatters. The night is dark and full of terrors. So we're going to start off with terms. And I'm so excited to talk about terms because last time we talked about terms uh-huh. was in Congress 101. Oh, right? yeah. It was a Congress. No, it was how a bill becomes a law. That's what it was. The last time we talked yes. about terms was when yes. bill becomes a law. Yep. And I lost my mind. So yeah. let's let's start again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to start with when we when the Congress. Congress. Okay. Get focused. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, <laughs> they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So Technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have. We dockets. all have a docket. Right. Why don't you think they call it a calendar? A calendar generally is like a list of when things are happening. I feel like a docket has a little bit more information. Right. In it. But that could just be me projecting. You my could be projecting, but like I'm going to project so much onto this Great. Supreme Court. Great. So their calendar docket is called Love. a docket. The other word we hear a lot is a decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means the same thing as an opinion. They are the same thing, which mm-hmm. is both words mean a statement that is prepared by a judge or court or justice in this case, announcing the decision after a case has been tried. It includes a summary of the facts, a recitation of the applicable law and how it relates to the facts. They often include the rationale for arriving at the decision or the judgment. 
and it is usually presented in writing, though sometimes it may be oral. Really? They'll just be like, here's my opinion. Here's my opinion. It's like I mean, me at a bar. It's like, let me tell you <laughs> what my decision is. <laughs> As per this section one and V versus V, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, I, you joke, but I feel like I have done that when I'm drunk, but that's the kind of drunk oh, person totally. I am. Yeah. I finally am ready to hand down my decision. That's how <laughs> I fight with people. I hold court in a the bar. The court will take this into consideration <laughs> and we will give our opinion. In one month's time. In one month's time. <laughs> yeah. So for the Supreme Court, obviously, it's written. They're written decisions. Yeah. So that's the decision. There's also the dissent or dissenting opinion, mm-hmm. which is an opinion in a legal case in the Supreme Court that's written by one or more of the justices expressing disagreement with the majority opinion of the court. And so we tend to see this a lot, especially now, because we have like an ideologically divided court yeah, depending yeah. on like who appointed them to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so we'll see a lot of like, you know, the majority opinion will be like the conservative group and then right. the four uh, liberal justices will dissent, dissent and write their own yeah. opinions. So. Well, you have like the famous, like RBG's really famous for her dissenting opinions and they're just like scathing. And then they I always end with, I dissent. I dissent. The court dissents, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, It's great. If you haven't read uh, RBG dissenting opinion, it's incredible. (laughs) It's a really great piece of text. They're really great. She's, it just leaps off the page. She is masterful. When I disagree with something throughout the rest of this episode, I'm just going to scream, I dissent. I dissent. dissent. (laughs) Hashtag dissent. Hashtag dissent. This is your favorite word. Standing. I'm so, we've talked about this this before. Um, standing is the term for the ability of a party who's like a part of the case to demonstrate to the court sufficient connection to and harm from the law or action challenged to support that party's participation in the case. So it's basically saying, are you sufficiently related to the law or the action that occurred? Are you sufficiently harmed by this law or by the action that occurred surrounding the law? Yeah. So what I can't, what just baffles my mind, and we talked about this in gerrymandering, yeah. is the the cases that the Supreme Court takes that are like ha, that are appeals that have gone through other courts. Yeah, and when they when they look at those and and they decide you don't have standing after right. they've gone through like what four appellate courts. Yeah, for like and nobody nobody, nobody stopped been- them. Nobody stops them Nobody's to say, like, excuse me, hey, so you don't belong here. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I really want to help you. This is not the place for you. I'm like, what the devil? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, I feel like the Supreme Court's like, I can't do everything. Right. OK, I can't I can't be everything you want me to be. Like somebody has to pick up the slack here. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me that like yeah. we can just get all the way to the highest court in the nation. And then you can just be like. Ooh, I don't think there's so. no legal case here. Right. Like, there's no there there. What have we been doing? Okay. What's the next? Term? Okay. There's this is important because yeah. I feel like if any any either of us, any either of us, any either of us or any of our listeners ever came across a member of the Supreme Court, which I have every intention I, of coming across wandering upon a Supreme Court, Court justice. justice. But it's very important that you call them justice. Yeah. And not judge. They're not judges. They are not judges. They are a justice. The Chief Justice you call Chief Justice or Mr. Mr. Chief, Chief justice. justice. Yeah. Or you can say to the other justices, Your Honor. Yeah, we love that. Love that. That's those are the appropriate terms. My liege. My liege. Could you Your imagine? Majesty. I you know me. You know it's me. An, I would throw down. 
If Sotomayor looks at me, I'd be like, my queen. (laughs) (laughs) I bend the knee. (laughs) Give me a task and I shall succeed. I know. I know. What do you need? Coffee? Coffee? I would do anything Gin and tonic? I I would do anything for Sonia Sotomayor. The justices for the Supreme Court are appointed by the president and they are approved by the Senate. They have a lifelong tenure. Love forever and ever. And to remove them from office, they basically have to be impeached. Do we remember our episode on impeachment? Go listen to it. Most of impeached cases are against judges. Although, I don't know if there's been any impeached Supreme Court justices. I didn't look that up. There was one. Love. Who was it? Samuel Chase. Samuel. Okay, but guess the year. No. What? Eighteen oh four. Like it's been a while. So it's, it's just been like at the second. very beginning when they were like, "Look, there's now nine people. We have two goats, and Samuel's over here being weird. So let's just knock this out. Let's let's nip this in the bud at the very beginning. He gotta go. He gotta go. Samuel. Yep. Samuel Chase was impeached. Yep. So it can't happen. It can't happen. Love. Shout out to Samuel Chase. You bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> so the next term is the chief justice uh which is a is a human and they serve as the chairperson in the court and have the the authority to assign writing of opinions in cases where they are a member of the majority otherwise his powers are the same uh or their her powers their powers could be a woman hasn't been ever but could be <laughs> Otherwise, their powers are the same as any other Supreme Court justice. They also are the ones who administer the oath of office to the president. So at inaugurations, they're the ones holding the book. So basically, like, their main thing is that they get to sit in the middle of the court. Yep. And they, if they're in the the opinion and not the dissent, they can be like, you know, uh, Alito, you're going to write this one this time. Right. Which is very exciting. Otherwise, they don't have, they have the same, they don't have, like, a weighted vote. They have one vote. Yeah. So they decide as a unit, like which cases are going right. to go. And also they are the ones that will try impeachment cases. That's if right. It's in the Senate. That's so, right. wow, crazy. So that is the chief justice. And right now we'll talk about who the chief justice is currently. It's very exciting. Yeah. The next term is writ of error, and that is not the name of my memoir, but could be. The writ of error is sent by the appellate court to the trial court for review of the trial court's judgment based on an alleged error of fact. So that's basically like we think that there's an issue here yeah. and what we're and sending that is basically called a writ of error. error. Like Very you've made literal. A, you've made a mistake, a factual mistake. Yeah. Yeah, and we're sending this back down. <laughs> we're sending to you. this back down to you. Love writ of habeas corpus, which is a term we've heard a lot. Um, literally means to produce the body. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird. I know, term. right? But basically, what a writ of habeas corpus is: it's a court order demanding that a public official, such as a warden or somebody, deliver an imprisoned individual to the court and show a valid reason for that person's detention. Oh, I know. So the next term is writs of certiary. That's a weird name. And that is a type of writ by which an appellate court decides to review a case at its discretion. The word certiary comes from law Latin and means to be more fully informed. (laughs) We can all use some certiary in our life. A writ of certiorari does order a writ of certiorari orders a lower court to deliver its record in a case so that the higher court may review it. The US Supreme Court uses certiorari to select most of its cases it's here. It hears. 
The writ of certiorari is a common law writ, which may be abrogated yep. or controlled entirely by statute or court rules. And this definition Amen. is from lawcornell.edu. Very Hell exciting. Yeah. So this is this is how they decide most of their cases, is, is basically being like, we're going to review a lower court's decision. Right. Oh, those are the terms. We did so well this time. We did so well. We didn't well. spend one hour on just the terms. On tangent. We're no. very much, we're growing, we're moving, we're shaking, and I love that about us. Thank you for staying with us. Now let's talk about herstory. Herstory. You know I love herstory. Back in herstory. Let's do herstory from uh, the SCOTUS from 17 Hamanashamana. Hamanashamana ha. You know, you know it. <laughs> you love it. 17 Hamanasha. <laughs> we're a baby. We're creating like very vague documents yep. like it's there's no tomorrow because we're all dying of scurvy i don't know yep. what did people die of that dying day? of scurvy and we all have dysentery love I love a good dysentery so this is all from supremecourt.gov hell yeah yeah you know, baby i will say they sidebar, actually have a lot of information they have a great website they do have a great a website. very good one i was like this is easy to understand yep. it's like you know i mean not like flashy but it was like it felt modern and, and i was yeah. like ah so the you, the U.S. Supreme Court was established by the U.S. Constitution under Article 3, Section 1, which reads, The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court. Just the one. And in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior, oh, and shall at time... And shall at stated times receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. I love that they've written in like you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid and you can't be demoted. Yeah. Yeah. And then further in section two of the article. So article three, section two, that this is what it reads. We get a little bit more organized about SCOTUS. <clears throat> In all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all the other cases before mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact, with such exceptions and such regulations as Congress shall make. So I was doing the accent, and I wasn't understanding what that meant. Oh, Lay my God. That was me. like Jeff Daniels was in the room. It was. Wow. That thank was you so much. so amazing. People often kind of call me sort of like a young Jeff Daniels. Listen, they're not wrong. I know. They're not wrong. Jeff Daniels, call me. Big fan. So in the first part, they're saying that basically if it's like a if one of the people involved in the case is a public official, mm-hmm. that the Supreme Court, like that just starts in the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. The one they're saying. Yep. And then in all other cases, the Supreme Court uh, has appellate jurisdiction, which is just like, you've got to work your way up. And then we have final. Right. We, we have, have the final, final say. say. They're basically like, we are the parents. Right. Like there isn't a case that's going to start here with yeah. us. The it, buck stops here. The, it stopped. Right. But the, uh, but, the things that the Constitution did not elaborate yeah. were the exact powers and prerogatives of the Supreme Court, and they also didn't elaborate on the judicial branch as a whole. No, they were what like... What a surprise. They were like, okay, yeah. we think we need a Supreme Court. They should get paid as long as they're not getting weird. Yeah. And then they're, they have, like, final say. Good. <laughs> Done. <laughs> What's next? Oh, the Electoral College. Shit. Shit. Okay. So there is, you guessed it, 
vagueness in the Constitution, which yeah. I love. It was left to Congress and the justices of the court through their decisions to develop the federal judiciary and the body of federal law. So they're like, you guys figure this out. Like, you yeah. guys, like, go into, you know, when it's like, go into a room, your your topic is, you know, um, grief. And then let's, we're going to build, We're and, and I want you to just build, a, you know, sort of like a devised piece. And then come back and we'll, and we'll do presentations on grief and we'll give notes at the end of the class. Right, right. And we're going to give you a place to set it. Grow Grocery store, go. Yeah, grocery store, go. Like, that's literally what... It was an improv, in a way. <laughs> the development of the Supreme Court was a improv and dialogue. The Supreme Court been, began to take shape with the passage of the Judiciary Act of 1789, which we talked about in our Attorney General episode. Mm-hmm. Shout out. And it first assembled in 1790 in the Merchants Exchange Building in New York City, which was, fun fact, the U.S. Capitol at the time. The Judiciary Act divided the country into 13 judicial districts, which were organized into three circuits, the Eastern, Middle, and Southern. No Northern. And SCOTUS was to sit at the nation's capital, which it technically always has. Yeah. We just moved the capital to D.C. When we first started out, we had a chief justice and five associate justices. We now have nine. So at first it was six, which is... It seems problematic when you're deciding things. One if it was three and three. Maybe I'd be back in the day, I feel like there was only seven of them total. You know what I mean? So they were just like, we all agree. We all agree, right? That this is bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Great. Great. Uh, for the first 101 years of the Supreme Court, um, except for a break in the early 1800s, the justices were required to ride circuit, which basically means to hold circuit court twice a year. Can you imagine? Like, you would have to, like, yeah. go and, like, preside over a circuit court? Right. While like, also being a Supreme Court justice? Right, right, right. Like, you had leave, a part-time job. You had a part-time gig. You gotta <laughs> leave New York and go up, you know, to Vermont. Yeah. And, and sit in that then. circuit, ride that Ooh. circuit court. The court was scheduled to assemble for the first time on February 1st. But <laughs> this is my favorite thing. Yeah. But there was transportation issues. Because <laughs> they were coming by literal carriage. And so they couldn't all make it there in time. So we joked about so much in this uh, in this time period where it takes them like six years to get anywhere. Yeah. But literally they they missed their own deadline because they couldn't get there in time. Get there. So yeah, so they were slated to assemble on February 1st, but they ran into traffic. And so John Jay, the first supreme court chief justice was like all right guys let's recuperate and we'll meet tomorrow at dawn they spent their first year basically setting up the office being like okay who's going to take notes who's going to write what should we do all black should we do maybe a beige or a navy you know black is slimming you know do we do the wigs i don't know so that was their first year very exciting yeah so the first case didn't reach scotus until the following year so it was west versus barnes great which was decided on august 3rd 1791 so west this guy west owned a farm and had been making mortgage payments on his farm he had taken out it seems like he had taken out a mortgage on his property to pay for a molasses deal like maybe he was going to trade molasses i remember the days when you were just (laughs) making molasses deals left and right right oh what a different time i know anybody want to go into the molasses business call me yeah so he took out this mortgage on his on his property to pay for a molasses deal presumably to buy the molasses i guess but i don't i don't know a lot about the molasses industry i will sort of like come out and say it i know when you look at me you're like wow 
a wealth of knowledge on molasses, <laughs> sort of just like a resource for me to come yeah, to yeah. for when I want to know more about right. molasses. But I have to be honest, right? I don't want any secrets between us. I don't know about the molasses industry. I am shook. I know. I should have told say. you that before we started this podcast. I know so it changes sorry. things, but like I, I wonder if quite honestly can't picture or imagine what molasses <laughs> is right now. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. You're going to laugh at this question, but it's I'm asking you for Have you seen the 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close? Have she falls in I molasses. Seen. It was an Oscar award winning performance. That movie. Not really, but literally when Glenn Close does win her Oscar, it is for her work in 101, 101 Dalmatians. Dalmatians. She did not have to give us 110%. She no. did not have to show up for no. us, but she did. Literally incredible work. What you don't know so is my good. phone case is is of a Dalmatian. It's Dalmatian spots. It is. It's my dream to own a Dalmatian. They're kind of assholes, though. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Who do you think you are? (laughs) I dissent. I dissent. dissent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... A lot of a lot of twists and turns. That was did you follow all, all over molasses? Wow, wow, that was real. What a controversy, molasses, man! I get Woo. it. I get why this went to SCOTUS, right? Woo. All right, all right. Okay. So what's so the, what's you've this case? All that. <laughs> <laughs> like I know it's about molasses, oh but what God, is this? What so is the thing? Good. He was basically like he mortgaged his house. <laughs> To buy to like buy things, I'm assuming to sell, yeah, to make money, love, and he was making payments, but I think he was a little strapped, so he went to the state of Rhode Island where he lived to start a lottery <laughs> to pay the remainder of his mortgage. Can you? The Powerball <laughs> has a whole new meaning. <laughs> so he went to Rhode Island to ask them to start a lottery to pay the remainder of his mortgage. Mm-hmm. They fucking said yes. Good. <laughs> Because he was a general in the Revolutionary War. Look, network. That's networking. I Look, don't hate the player, hate the game. So Barnes took West to court because he wanted payment in gold or silver, not in paper currency. Yeah, because it didn't wasn't worth anything. Because it wasn't like worth anything. Yeah. In the end, Scoldus Scoldus. Scoldus. In the <laughs> end, Scotus ruled five to zero in favor of Barnes. Not because they like agreed or disagreed with the argument Mm -hmm. that either one of them was making, but because West, the guy who owed the money, had gotten a writ of error Mm -hmm. from a lower court when he needed it from the Supreme Court within 10 days. Literally just like a clerical error. It was a clerical error. Wow. Not even like what you're saying you're doing no like nothing to do with the content of the case just your paperwork came from your location can you send it back to the um you have to go call these wow wow what a kind of like lackluster beginning i know right like they've been waiting all year for this and they're like the paperwork doesn't line up oh (laughs) damn it damn it so the number of justices on the supreme court has changed six times we love over the course of our history before settling on the present total of nine in 1869. So that was established like a long that was time a long ago. ago. Yeah. 1801 slash 1802, 1807, mm-hmm. 1837, 1855, 
there were still judges and justices who were still riding around the circuit court. I was still doing their part-time job. doing their part-time job of like, I'm here. I am at the circuit court. Such a good horseman. Thanks. Then the Judiciary Act, like I mentioned in 1801, reduced the number of justices to four. That seems very small. That seems very small and very, I feel like when you have more people, even if you have an even number, the likelihood that you're going to get an exact split is much less than when you have four justices. Yeah. Like, it is much more, like, that just seems like not a good idea. No, no. Then in the Judiciary Act of 1869, they increased the number of Supreme Court justices to nine, like we have now. And that's how it's always been. And that's how it's always been. But like we've talked about in the past, FDR did try to, like, pack the Supreme Court with people up to, like, what was it, 16? 15. 15 justices. Yeah. So, you know, had that passed... We could have had 15. A drastic change. Yep. Wow. The herstory. Yes. So how does the court decide which cases to take? I will walk you kind of through it. So right now there's 13 appellate courts that sit below the Supreme Court and they are called the U.S. Court of Appeals. It's important to know that because a lot of cases that the Supreme Court decides to take are coming from the U.S. Court of Appeals. GOTUS receives around, give or take, 10,000 petitions a year. That's so many. That's so many because they only take like, on average, 80-ish cases a year. Wow. I know. Um, 13, of course, being gerrymandering cases. uh, I'm not over it. (laughs) Every year. (laughs) Once a year, every year. Uh, That's not a factual number, but we do take gerrymandering cases pretty much every year. Every year. Generally, when they're looking at cases, they're looking for cases that have, quote unquote, national significance or situations where the nation is looking to the Supreme Court to set a precedent. Listen, gerrymandering would be one of them. Wow, wouldn't it be nice to just have like, like rules in place? You can't do these four things or it's illegal. Look, it's not. I'm not on the Supreme Court, but should I be? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So that's that's what they're taking into consideration. So they're not looking at individual cases and being like, yes, this person's constitutional violate. Like there was a constitutional violation for this one individual. If it doesn't set a precedent for cases in the future, they probably won't take it. And they only take cases when it involves the U.S. Constitution. It has to be a constitutional violation of some kind or they they won't hear it. That's like you don't have standing in front of the court. You know what I mean? So that's how. Yeah. So that's what they're looking at when they're choosing cool. cases. And general, like the obviously the justices themselves aren't the ones sifting through the all of the applications. No, they, no, have no, no. they have clerks. clerks. They have staff. So yep. they're only... They're getting a very <laughs> small pool. It's an executive summary yeah. of the applicants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they decide, yeah. the, the nine justices decide what to take. Yep. If you make it to the Supreme Court. So you, you've made it. You've made it. You've been chosen. Come Congratulations. On Come on down to Funky Town. <laughs> <laughs> You're the next contestant on the Supreme yes. Court. Yes. Um, you, or not you. Yeah, no, Your lawyers um, will make oral arguments. Yeah. The Supreme Court session begins on the first Monday of every October and goes until the Sunday before the first Monday of the following October. Dear. I know. Lord I know. Heaven. I literally, when I was figuring this out, I was like, wait a second. But then the next part is that they're in recess. Right. Like from, basically f- from late June, early July until that first Monday. So they're like in session, but on recess. So they're really only doing work from October to July. So oral arguments are heard from October to April. 
love. Right. They are open to the public. Honey, Hash- we're going. We are going, baby. We bam, are bam, going. Bam, bam. We'll keep you all posted on yeah. when we're going. But like, I'm pretty determined to we hear will go. all our arguments. Like, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. They typically hear two cases a day with the day starting at 10 a.m. Me too. <laughs> Me too. A little like kind of late on the day. I love I that. Know. You know what I mean? I imagine it's starting at like seven, but they're just like, no, 10. Like I would do 10. Each case is allotted one hour for arguments and that is broken down into 30 minutes per side. However, each side can decide not to use their full 30 minutes. The petitioner argues first and then the responder. The petitioner can reserve some of their time for the end for a rebuttal. Yes. Now I'm seeing So it's like if you're picture. doing your argument right. and the the time is happening, they'll they'll be like oh, I, I would, would totally do that. Yeah. I would be like I want to talk for 10 to 15 minutes yeah. and then we'll see what you have to say. And yeah. then I'm going to answer. I would totally do that. The justices often interrupt with questions that that eat up a lot of the allotted 30 minute time slot. Yeah. So like you basically against you. I feel like if you're being asked, it's part of your 30 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you start your argument and you're like, blah, 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 blah. And you're like into it. And then they they will come in with a question and you like you have to stop and you have to let them speak and then you answer their question and then you can keep going. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. I like it. I'm into it because I feel like because I feel like we're, we're just getting down to the nitty-gritty of it you know what I mean right 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 like, like if you're, you can't tell me why doma is a bad idea right in five minutes or less are you doing your job right yeah yeah, yeah. and I just feel like right. let's get to they, the the justices know what it is they need to hear right so it's like just let them get to the point that I feel like just tell me. me where you're at like, right so I can actually answer your questions as opposed to me just like doing a shot in the dark right of like here's what I think you guys want to hear right and then they give you they basically give you a roadmap and you're like okay great right now I see what you need to hear right 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 I'm all about it I like that yeah okay the petitioner would be the first one to speak and the first line they must speak is Mr. Chief Justice and may it please the court and then they go into their argument. Yeah. I love I it. I don't know if it's what they must do, but like that's what everybody does. I think I, it's probably like that's how like that's a respectful a law, way. But yeah. it's like yeah. like a hella big tradition. Yeah, that's like what how like you Turkey begin. At Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's how each side begins. But right. the petitioner starts first, first. So that's the first that's the first line. <laughs> so once they've heard oral arguments, then they start doing this thing called a conference. And this is where the justices decide their ruling on a case. There are two conferences held per week while court is in session on Wednesday and Friday afternoons. So that's very exciting. So basically they're talking about like oral arguments that they've heard. I think I can't remember if it's the week before or the week of, but they're Mm -hmm. talking about like their most recent oral arguments that they've Mm, just heard to basically decide what's going to be our ruling. Only the justices are allowed in this conference like this room so there's no clerks there's no staff it's just the nine of them in the I room I love that yeah and nobody else can you can't you you like can't enter the room like you have to stand outside the room and knock and then this is a weird rule the the newest justice on the supreme court is the only person who can like open the door and they're also the person in charge of like getting coffee and taking notes yes brett kavanaugh yeah he's just in charge of i love basically that. being like the intern of the justices i love that yeah. that's definitely like like the youngest sibling thing yeah like well, you don't get to choose your spot in right. the car it's funny because i forget who i think it was either briar maybe it was briar it was briar or Lido who was the youngest justice or the the least senior justice for like 10 years oh that would suck <laughs> it was just like Honestly, I'm going to be like, come on, like anybody want to retire? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, because Gorsuch had that job for like what? 
three a, months. A year, maybe. Yeah. Um, so once they're in the conference, all nine of them, they they dis- they discuss the case, and everybody gets their chance to speak their thoughts with the chief justice starting first and then going in order of seniority. So, like, John Roberts would talk first, mm-hmm. and then Brett Kavanaugh would talk last. Got it. As far as, like, and then, you know, the... Do we think it's by... It's by... It's by ter- long, term, term on the bench. Term, yeah. Length how long of term on the, on the bench, not how old you are. They vote this way as well. So the chief justice will vote first. The young, not the youngest, but the least, least sen- senior person will yep. vote last. Cool. And then the chief justice, as we talked about, will assign who will write the opinion of the court. If they are in the opinion, if they are in the dissent, then the most, the second, the the first senior person under the chief justice. So in this case, it would be Clarence Thomas because he's been there the longest would assign the opinion if he's in the opinion that seems okay fine seems and fine. i don't know that they just i think they just write their own dissenting opinions because there are some court cases that have multiple dissenting opinions because you can and you can yeah. have multiple um like dis- deciding opinions as well yeah yeah, yeah. if you don't agree with like, the reasoning the, the for reasoning, that yeah, yeah you can write your own opinion and so that's what happens in their conferences Great. and so they usually announce their opinions starting at the beginning of june Mm -hmm. because it takes like a while so they probably decide like they're voting yeah in like within like a week's time of hearing the oral arguments but But it takes like a month plus to write these things right so we're gonna give you a quick down and dirty review of our current supreme court justices we love them starting with mr chief justice himself john g roberts jr John G. Roberts Jr. Um, John G. Roberts Jr. Na 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 na. John G. Roberts Jr. This name is mine. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I had a stroke. <laughs> Keep going. He is sixty-three. He looks good. He looks for pretty 63. good. He was appointed by George W. Bush in two thousand five. And he was approved 78 to 22. And he is often a conservative, more yeah. conservative member but of the But recently court. they look at him as kind of a little bit of a swing. He's a little bit of a swing. He can be. Yeah. yeah. Well, conservative can also, I mean, like you can do like conservative, liberal, liberal ideologically, but then there is also like this whole other like kind of family of analysis of like how strict and how liberal you are with your interpretation yeah. of the constitution. Yeah. And I feel like most of the time it does align with, you know, like if you have more of a, if you have more of a conservative ideology, then you probably have a fairly conservative interpretation of the constitution, meaning yeah. like, you know, it's what's in there, like right. what the words that are written on the page, whereas right. the more liberal, like what they might call activist, I think that is the academic term, like active, activist judges, no matter what your ideological perspective is. Justices. Justices. You called them judges. Did I thought I said justices? You said judges. Did you broke judges? the oh only God. rule. I dissent. Uh, I dissent. I dissent. Uh, I dissent against myself. <laughs> yeah, the activist justices, no matter what their ideological persuasion, they have a little bit more. They understand that the Constitution is more of a living document that changes. <laughs> that was a first draft. That was a first draft of a startup idea. nation. Love. Um, and so, yeah. Great. So, so our next one is Clarence Thomas. He is the most senior member of the court under obviously chief justice roberts he is a conservative uh, judge he was he's 70 years old nominated by papa bush in 91 uh, and was confirmed 52 to 48 obviously after the anita hill hearings so that is something to keep in mind yeah oh you get our fun one i do i get rbg yeah rbg ruth bader ginsburg we know where we love her we know where we love the her. show she obviously is more of a liberal leaning left leaning type yep. of 
person. She's 85. She was nominated by Bill Clinton in 1993 and approved in 96 to 3. And I would just like to point the fuck out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was approved 96 to 3 and Clarence Thomas was 52 to 48. Yeah. She is the most. Like she was she is beloved. The, this, her approval rating is the, the highest of every um, justice on the court with yeah. 96 to 3. Love Very her. Very exciting. Love her. Stephen G. Breyer was appo- is 80 years old, mm-hmm. was appointed by Bill Clinton in 94, and he was approved 87 to 9. Also a high approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Stephen G. Breyer is obviously also a liberal-leaning, swinging judge. Mm-hmm. Justice! Wow! I did it too! Oh, I dissent! Wow! Okay, you we're dissent. one for one. Wow, okay. Next up is Samuel, oh, An- Samuel Anthony Alito Jr. What? Junior juniors in All here. All right. All right. He is 68. He was also appointed by George W. Bush in 2005. Confirmed 58 to 42 after the Harriet Myers debacle. Samuel Alito is generally a more conservative-leaning type of person. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have my girl, Sonia Sotomayor. OMG, I could... I could show you the world. <laughs> I love her so much. Such a big fan of Sonia. Um, she is 64 years old. She was appointed by Obama in 2009, and she was confirmed 68 to 31. Yes, baby. Yes, that's a majority. Yes, that's a majority. Love her. Uh, she is, I think, quite obviously also a liberal-leaning judge. Oh, justice. Wow. <gasps> it's when I say liberal, when I like say they're... Um, they're like affiliation. Yeah. That's when well, the for ju- me, it was when I was saying activist judge. Judge, yeah. Yeah, justice. Yep. She's a liberal justice. She's the justice of my heart. She's the justice of my soul. Shout out to Sonia Sotomayor. I absolutely love you. So, that, great. I this We talked last time about somebody who we would like to talk to. I would love to talk to Elena Kagan. Totally. Because like, as the third female justice, I feel like she's the one who doesn't get quite as much. Of, yes. Yeah. yeah. So Elena Kagan. She is 58, appointed by Obama in 2010, confirmed 63 to 37. And like her female counterparts, she too is a liberal left-leaning type of person. Yeah. Uh, Next up, we have the baby of the group, Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch? Gorsuch. Oh my God, I can never say his name. You shouldn't have to. Honestly, you shouldn't have to. A lot of controversy about his nomination, obviously. Um, But first, he's 51 years old. He was nominated by Trump. If we remember, Obama did nominate the vacancy that happened that Neil Gorsuch ended up filling. Obama had actually nominated somebody for the position, and the Republican Congress refused to confirm them because they believed that the next president should be able to be the person who appoints somebody to this position. So shout out to Merrick Garland, who honestly should have this position. But there is Neil Gorsuch. I don't have anything against him personally. That's who we ended up getting. Ordered to get him confirmed, uh, Senator, her enemy of the show, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell changed the Senate rules to end the debate on nominees with a simple majority of 52 votes instead of the original 60. Mm -hmm. So... Just so you know, he changed the rules to make it easier to basically get Neil Gorsuch into the Supreme Court. So with a 54 to 45 vote, with three Democrats joining all of the Republicans in attendance, Gorsuch uh, became the next Supreme Court justice. And he is a conservative justice, conservative leaning justice. Rounding it out, Brett Kavanaugh. He's 53. He was nominated in July of 2018. He was not. He was confirmed with 50 votes in favor, 48, 48 votes against, and one vote, one senator voting present. The confirmation hearing for this, much like the Anita Hill hearing, will like 
be something we talk about for the remainder of our history Mm -hmm. with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford coming to testify. And Brett Kavanaugh is a conservative leaning type of justice. Yep. And as we've talked about, because it was the most recently uh, nominated and confirmed, he is considered the least senior on the court and therefore has to like (laughs) do do all all these weird tasks for the other justices. So it's a very interesting structural thing that they've built for themselves within like the nine of them. Yep. But let's round it out with fun facts. You know, I love fun fun facts. facts. Okay, so since uh, at least 1800, it has been the tradition for justices to wear black robes while in court. Chief Justice John, yeah, Chief Justice John Jay and uh, his colleagues lent a colorful air to the earlier sessions by wearing robes with a red facing. (gasps) It's very England. Yeah, somewhat like those worn by early colonial (laughs) and English judges. Finger on the pulse, guys. You should be writing. This is, I pulled from the Supreme Court.gov, so like you should totally be writing writing for them. I'm not saying I'm not a ghostwriter for the Supreme Court website. Mm, Except that you probably are. I know. The J-robe of black and salmon is now in the possession of (gasps) the Smithsonian Institute. We gotta go. We gotta go. I'm gonna look at the robes. I'm gonna look at the robes. We're going to SCOTUS, Library of Congress, the Smithsonian, and we're gonna like talk to people. We're gonna talk to people. I'm gonna figure out what's going on. I'm gonna hold I'm going to hold a piece of parchment in my hand. Yes. Determined. Another fun fact. Quill pins have remained part of the courtroom scene. So this happens today, like to this very day. White quill pins are placed on counsel's tables each day that the court sits. And (laughs) as was done in the earliest session of court. So you walk in and there's a quill pen on your desk. That's crazy. That's so wild. I wonder who tries to write with it. I don't think anybody. I mean, I feel like they're just like, this is a souvenir. Like, you know, like everybody knows uh, that they're going to get a quill pen. There's no oh. way somebody tries to write with it. I totally would. Because there's be no like, ink, is there? I don't Do know. Do they provide with ink? If they, somebody if call they provided me. ink, I somebody would be like. Somebody call me and let me know if there's yeah. ink. So there's something something called the judicial handshake, which is, <laughs> cannot fucking talk. Judicial handshake. <laughs> <laughs> Seen the parent trap? Looks something like that. Can you imagine? I would lose it. Okay. Oh. oh my God. Okay. So the judicial handshake has been a tradition since the days of Chief Justice Melville V. Fuller. Oh, honey, your name. In the late it 19th century. It also says century. Melville W. Fuller. What did I say? You said V. <laughs> Melville V. Fuller. <laughs> As though it's a case. No, no. Melville W. Fuller. No relation to George W. Bush. <laughs> I was so hung up that his name was Melville. Well, we're just so used to saying blah, blah, blah. You know, I totally understand. That's totally, yeah. When the justices assembled to go on the bench each day and at the beginning of the private conferences where they discuss decisions, like we talked about, they'll go in a room and nobody can go in. Each justice shakes hands with each of the other eight. That must take like a full 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're um when you're like at dinner and you get your drinks and you all cheers and you're like wait I gotta get you across the table mm-hmm. clink you mm-hmm. know it's that sort of thing of like wait did we all clink did we all clink we all yeah. got it yeah this is just an exercise in friendship yeah Chief Justice Fuller instituted the practice as a reminder that differences of opinion on the court did not preclude overall harmony of purpose we're yes. still friends no yes. matter what well you know that like when what's his face died in Texas yeah. Scalia. Scalia. 
Yeah, Scalia and Ginsburg were very good they friends. They were very good friends. They were like best friends. Yep. The court is open to the public, as we've said, and anyone can sit in on oral arguments, though they are not allowed to take pictures. Sitting, seating is limited and available on a first-come, first-serve basis. Before session begins, visitors who would like to attend oral arguments may form a single line on the plaza in front of the building. I will be we there. We will be there. I will wake up at the ass crack oh, of yes. dawn. Mm-hmm. I'll be right in front. I am ready. I am ready to commit to this. Yep. Very exciting. Me too. William Howard Taft sh- served as Chief Justice after his presidency. Bam, 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 bam. Wow, wow, wow. We got a double dipper, everybody. Yeah. 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 Talk of, I mean, like, respect. You're like, what do I do now that I've been president? I'm going to be Supreme Court Chief <laughs> justice. justice. Right? Not even a justice. No, no. The man in charge. You did chief. Yeah, he's the chief. Yep. We're going to end on this note, which is that there have only been... Four women in the entire history of the United States. And three of them are currently serving. Thanks, Obama. Thank you, Obama, for literally, and and Bill Clinton, for literally nominating the three current justices Democrats, huh. on the Supreme Court. The fourth one was obviously the first woman who was ever elected to this, uh, not elected, ever nominated to the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor, who was a conservative. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the conservatives for getting women on the bench first first shout out to i believe it was reagan for doing that but just to kind of like contextualize it and to sort of like ground you in the facts of it there have been 113 justices on the supreme court in our history and only four of them have been women yep only four nobody talk to me do not at me there have only been four <laughs> women on the Supreme Court in all of history, none of which have been a chief justice. So as you can tell, there's a lot of issues with that. Is it surprising? Of course not. But there's room to grow, shall there we say. There is room to grow. So I hope room. as we continue to move forward, we take into consideration that White men are not the only people qualified to be on the Supreme Court. (laughs) And as RBG once famously said, when asked how many women would be enough for her on the Supreme Court, she said, and I quote, nine. Yes. Because we have, for all of history, had nine men, specifically white men, on the Supreme Court. And now we see, obviously, much more diversity on the court, mostly in gender, not in race. Uh, in the slightest. So just something, food, something to chew on. If you ever decide to make the argument that like demographic doesn't matter, mm-hmm. I say to you, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shout out to our Supreme Court justices. We would love to talk to you. Yeah, but that's that's SCOTUS. That's, that's SCOTUS. SCOTUS in a nutshell. That's like that's like SCOTUS the skeleton of SCOTUS. That's yes. SCOTUS 101. Because, yes. you know, it's really good to sort of like get a lay of the land on SCOTUS yeah. as we continue to talk about them. We yep. can at least know like who's who's doing what, mm-hmm. what the rules are, you know, why they take the cases that they take, yep. how they're taking the cases that they take. It's really important to know and how because it's changed. How it used to be like, we changed. will hear your molasses slash Right. Case, how far have we and now come? It's like, can you fire people for being gay? Right. From molasses to LGBTQ discrimination. My, how far we've come. Yep. And I, and I believe that the Supreme Court will be a huge element for at least the next, you know, for at least the next couple of years oh, um, God, as yeah. we keep dealing with these sort of constitutional crises that we're in. 
The Christ eye. The Christ eye, if you will. And I will. I will. Are big and grand. But yeah. And many. But yeah, guys, we did it. We did it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we love you and we hope that you love us. Obviously, there's no pressure on that end. However, um, you feel is obviously very okay. But if you like us enough, like you can talk to us. You know what I mean? You can also rate us and review us on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Tell a friend, call them and be like, hey, can you believe That they put quill pens on desks at the Supreme Court in 2019. We can put a man on the moon. We can't give them a ballpoint pen. Anyways, it's not about that. But yeah, so please give us some love. We will love you back. And we will see you next Wednesday. 